the reason I get a little agitated about this is because um, like I want content marketers to understand the kind of greater ecosystem that they work in. Like your job is not to write blog posts. Your job is to support the business. And so mm-hmm. like, if you can't look at the business and analyze it and then decide the most productive thing that you can do, then you're going to miss a ton of great career opportunities. Welcome to Top of Mind, a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. Over the last few months, I've become absolutely fascinated by the power of written word in marketing. Here's a quote that I think embodies it perfectly. Copywriting is like a sales team that you only need to train once, will work 24-7, and never ask for more commission. There is both an art and a science to writing short and long-form content which makes it a very nuanced role that some companies have a really hard time wrapping their heads around. But as the advertising and marketing landscape continues to evolve, more and more businesses are seeing the value that well-strategized content can offer them in both the long and short term. My guest today is paving a path for content marketers to develop new skills, connect with peers, and to learn from experts with his company, SuperPath. Previously, he ran content marketing at QuickBooks and Animals and advised Fortune 500 companies on how to develop their blogs. Join me today. I've got Jimmy Daly. How's it going today, Jimmy? Good, Stuart. Thanks for having me. You're really setting the bar with both written work, kind of a content portfolio, and and this kind of new landscape of what the content world looks like. And I, I use content really broadly. How do you define it? Because I've, I've really struggled with using that word. Like, are we talking about social? Are we talking about blogs and podcasts? How do you define the content? It's really hard to pin down. I feel like one of the challenge, one of, well, I'm going to say one of the opportunities that I see is that content has become so amorphous. It's very difficult to describe content as one thing. It, like when I started doing content marketing, going back like a decade, content marketing was just writing blog posts to get traffic. That was it. There really wasn't anything else going on. And, you know, then it turned into lead gen and then it turned into uh, drip campaigns and then it turned into content to support partnerships. And then it turned into, you know, in-house writers serving a whole range of, of, of writing needs that are sort of content and sort of not. And there's so many different things going on in the content marketing world right now that I don't know exactly how to pin it down other than I would say it's just, it's using the written word to communicate with prospects and customers. And I know that's kind of frustratingly vague, but I think that's, that's the best way I could describe it today in 2020. Yeah. And so how do you describe what you do? Or do you identify more as a writer or as a marketer? Mm, I would say I am a very evenly split content person and marketing person. And I think that's one of the things I like so much about this world is that you can use those two different parts of your brain. You can use that really creative side to try to create like what I think of as like, this is my art. Like this is, you know, writing is an art. Like I love that about it. And then you can also use that very analytical side of your brain to try to figure out, you know, what is it that 
is going to resonate with people? How am I going to get this out to people? How am I going to see if it's, if it's performing and doing its job or not? So I, I love that you get to use, use both sides of your brain and content. Yeah. It's really applied writing, like applied poetry in a lot of ways where you're trying, you have a, a outcome that you're looking for and a, and a, an emotion you're trying to portray and you're, you need to get it out and it needs, but at the same time, you need to have that marketing hook that it's doing something for you. Definitely. Definitely. I find that the marketing, the marketing part of content marketing is just the right constraint. At least I find this for myself personally. It's like, to me, just writing for the sake of expressing an idea is, has, I have limited interest in doing that. I think that um, applying this constraint of write for this very specific purpose of trying to support a business is like, makes it more challenging, but also pushes you to be more creative. And then the results end up being, I think actually far more interesting. The reason I found this field to be so fascinating and have stayed in it for so long is for that exact reason. It was like, I've always sort of liked writing. Writing with a purpose is more fun. Developing business skills along the way is even more fun. And then it kind of over time, it becomes this thing, not just for me, but for a lot of, a lot of people who work in this world, this really satisfying industry to work in because you know, you're pushing yourself creatively, like you're developing valuable skills, you're, you're learning lots of other kind of tangential things along the way. But uh, yeah, content marketing is, I think, just think it's so cool. Tell me more about constraints. Like how do you think about constraints when you're, maybe we can contextualize this to the Superpath blog, which you're starting from absolute scratch. It's a brand new company. How have you applied constraints when you start thinking about the content you're going to make for that? There are so many constraints. I'll give you a great example of how this has forced me to try something new that I've never tried before. It's actually working really well. But like, so what, the primary constraint is that it's just me. And so time is a, is a huge constraint. And, it, and, and also just energy. Like there's a lot of other things that go into getting a business off the ground, you know, let alone getting a blog off the ground. And so I have a very limited amount of time to write for the blog. And that forces me to, for example, you know, develop an idea while I'm not at my computer, right? So like I walk my dog at lunch and like I'm, I'm chewing on an idea and then I can almost sometimes like get the idea refined enough that the writing actually is really easy because I, I know exactly what it is when I, when I sit down to do it. Or my business partner, partner Walter, challenged me recently to come up with a, an idea for some user-generated content. The thinking just being like, you're one person, you can't write enough stuff to like get this blog going. So, you know, come up with an idea for user-generated content. That's something I've never done before. And I came up with a, a concept called the 100K Club, where we ask people to submit these anonymous interviews detailing their salary history in, in content marketing roles. So all I have to do is find good people, and then I just publish them. This is the easiest thing in the world, and people love it. You know, it's just like that's a really cool constraint that resulted in this awesome, but people are loving these posts. I'm learning a ton from them also, and I, there's no other way I would, have, I would have discovered that. So that's super interesting because you've developed a, a community portion of the business, which is on a, a Slack channel. And so you've got, you're in the thousands at this point, aren't you? Yeah, we have about 1500 members now. And I started this community probably a year and a half ago, just on a whim. I, I wasn't aware of any content marketing. I was aware of some content Slack groups. I was not aware of one that focused on content marketing careers. And that was yeah. the thing that I was most interested in. 
I mean, it seems like probably the best group to get user-generated content from is a bunch of people in the content world yeah, and exactly. the highest, at the highest quality probably, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that's funny. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yes, that's a great point. <laughs> so you founded the company in June, but obviously you've been thinking about it for much longer before that. What, what is the market opportunity that you identified and, what, and then speak to what pushed you over the edge to wanting to, to knowing that you should pursue it? Yeah. So there's a couple things there. I started the Slack group about a year and a half ago and I did nothing at all to promote it. And it started off very small and over time it grew and grew and grew. And I just, I was just observing what the conversations that were happening there and just thinking like, this sucks. Like there's so many problems in this world. Like people are are not getting paid enough. They don't understand what kind of opportunities they, they really do have. They don't have a good way to develop their skills. And I just felt like I can do this. Like, you know, it, at some, at, at some level, it's, it's me like actually helping people, but it, there's this whole like much bigger vision for this, which is that we create this, this community, this network of people who can also help each other, which is, that's really where I think the value is. And so it just, I just got thinking about this. And luckily I was working at, at animals and our CEO at the time, Walter, who founded the company came to me and said, I think there's a business here. You know, what do you think about leaving the company that I hired you to work at to go start this new business and I'll fund you? And I was like, wow, that's, <laughs> I don't, that's amazing. I don't know. I'm not going to turn that down. Like that sounds just like a really cool opportunity. And so, I mean, I feel extremely grateful to have just kind of stumbled into this opportunity and to have the support of a business partner who knows this industry extremely well. And it was just kind of a, a thing that like, I, I can't say no to this. Like it's going to be scary and intimidating and all of those things. And that has definitely been true, but you know, it's also been a ton of fun so far. Why do you think no skill improvement, professional development, community networking platform or tool for the content marketing world has existed before this? Like, is, are you, are you, are you modeling it off any existing kind of per- personal and professional development platform out there? Kind of, I would say I'm sort of taking pieces from things that I've observed and, and liked. So like, there's a portion of this that is quite a bit like reforge in the sense that like, it is going to be like graduate level education. So I like, I, uh, I've talked to, I haven't done it myself, but I've talked to a number of people who have gone through reforge courses and said like, this is the real deal. So kind of like, I'm pulling that from over there. I'm pulling from the I guess what you would call the the passion economy. Like there's this whole world now of creators making a living with courses and eBooks and memberships and communities. And there's some great examples of folks doing that that don't have anything to do with content marketing. You know, they have platforms for people who love mountain biking, you know, or people who are trying to write a novel on the side, or, you know, or learning how to knit or whatever. There's a million versions of this. And I find that world to be, very inspiring. And I, I find myself thinking like, why couldn't you take this and apply it in a sort of, sort of professionalize it, you Mm -hmm. know? And then there's this whole other world, which I'm pulling from, which is like the world of professional associations. You know, it's like my wife, for example, is a physical therapist. She's a member of the American physical therapy association. And like through that gets access to education and networking opportunities and conferences and all these things. And there's nothing like that for content marketing. So I'm just kind of like pulling from these worlds that I found to be inspiring and trying to package it into a thing that hopefully content marketers can't say no to because it will be be so enormously valuable to them. 
Well, and it sounds like there are, if we're going to use revenue or salary as as a, a judge of success, and I don't think that should be the only judge, but to make a hundred thousand dollars in a content role is shows that it is a valued position at a company, or at least the, the efforts that they do has enough impact that they can afford that salary. Yes. So from your from putting together that series, the hundred K Club. What are you finding that those people know about the industry that everyone else doesn't? That's a great question. It's very consistent. The results that we get are very consistent in that everyone, every, and now again, there's a bias here because this is coming from a, a group of content marketers, but all of them are strong writers who spent a couple years primarily doing content creation. And then over time layered new skills on top of that to create leverage for their own careers. And so the, the, the actual skills they build are different in every case, but lots of folks go from uh, content creation to content strategy to team management, for example. And now they're at a point where they're they're leading a content team, and that is definitely a six figure role. You know, some folks, you know, honed in really specifically on the strategy piece, and we've had a couple folks who are now like marketing directors, so they're kind of built this content skill and they're now running an entire marketing department with many other disciplines underneath it. But in every case, it's this strong foundation of content, which I think is very powerful because great content requires critical thinking and creativity and an analytical brain. So if you can put those things together, you're more than a content creator, right? Or your future holds more for you than that. If it's what you want, nothing wrong with pursuing just a content creator role as well. But yeah, strong foundation, layer skills on top of it, you know, next thing you know, 10 years later, you're an overnight success. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That 10 years later part is the is the thing that in a lot of ways that this industry or this 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 vein of marketing is only kind of 10 years old or 15 years old in a lot of cases. So now there's those case studies of people who have done it for long enough that they've paved a path or at least trudged through the snow that you can kind of like draft behind them and see how they did it. Exactly. Exactly. They are probably they're they're making it up as they go because no one before them has done this. Exactly. No, you're totally right. You know, and you you asked one other question a few minutes ago about why don't I think anyone else has done this? And I think it's I can tell you just a very quick anecdote of, of why I I think this has happened this way. When I first joined Animals in 2016, Walter, my my boss now business partner, said this is a new type of content agency. We're not doing any of this you know, marketplace where we're going to match a company with a freelancer. We're not doing some high volume thing. Like we're going to do this the hardest, messiest way possible. And the result is going to be amazing. And I found that to be very inspiring. And I, I'm seeing the exact same thing in Superpath so far. Like this is incredibly difficult. It's far more difficult than I was expecting it to be. There is a lot of messy, unstructured work going on behind the scenes of me trying to like make this nice tidy product. And so I, I, I honestly think that it hasn't happened before because if anyone kind of stepped into this world, they would, I think pretty quickly see that this is an insane amount of work. It's going to be really hard. I'm a big fan of type two fun, you know, like the stuff that sucks while you're doing it, but is totally worthwhile kind of thing. And I, I heard like, of that. I love that. Yeah. Like this like very much falls into to like that, that category of work. What's type one fun? Is that type one fun is like uh, you're riding a roller coaster. Oh, it just happens. You know, it's like, it's like yeah. fun while you're doing it. Type two fun is mostly fun when you're looking back 
mm-hmm. and you know telling war stories about it you know but right. it's worthwhile like it, it's it's worth doing even though it's difficult that's cool I, I reached out to a couple of your peers because they, they're kind of alongside you. I wouldn't put myself in the experience level that you're at. So I, I kind of wanted to hear what, how they had to say and see if there were conversations that are going on behind closed doors in that kind of like messy in the kind of editing room where there's all these things that don't make it out. They don't get published. You can't read about these things, but the conversations are being had, but they're on the floor of the editing room. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah I'm I won't, nervous. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm going to read. I'm going to. I'll tell you who they are afterwards. But there, okay. there's, there's going to be some good jumping off points from here. One of them is how do you, how can you scale a blog without losing the factors that made it interesting or cool in the first place? And so the kind of context they offered there was you uh, might start off as a small company. Like right now, it's just you writing for uh, Superpath. You start scaling it in a way by bringing on user generated content. It's still cool. It's like super niche and, and, and exciting. Five years from now, how do you scale that so that you can start driving a little bit more traffic and getting that return, like making it kind of that, that's, that part two fun where it's like, okay, now it's working for me at night without losing the magic, the magic sauce that made it good in the first part. I love that question. Actually, I wrote a blog post about this exact thing for animals a few years ago, and we came up with this idea that we called movement first content. And the idea there is like, there's sort of this analogy with Apple and how they initially launched the iPhone. Not like, I don't have delusions of grandeur, but like, I I kind of love this example. When the iPhone first came out in 2008 or nine or whatever that was, they were hard to get. You could only get them from Apple store. And there was lines around the block to get them. And that was a very deliberate strategy. You know, could they have waited six months and produced enough that they could stock every Walmart in the country with iPhones and sell them? They could, they absolutely could. But the availability of it would have watered down the effect, you know? And so like, this doesn't happen as much anymore, but for years, every time a new iPhone came out, people would line up around the door because they were hard to get and there was all this buzz about it. And it was this like insanely cool, high quality product that people just had to have their hands on. Nowadays, you can go to Walmart, Target, Costco, anywhere in the world and get an iPhone. Like distribution is so widespread, but they've maintained that, that kind of that degree of quality, that respect for the product that they could never have built over time. Like had they gone for mass distribution first, it would have been really hard to, to capture the, the excitement of the product that they, that they were able to do because of the way they did it. And so, you know, the way I think about growing a blog from scratch is kind of the same idea. It, you have, there has to be a, there has to be a, a strong concept. There has to be like a personal passion for the idea. There has to be, you know, uh, a movement like, like I am, I am trying to create a movement in the content world. And, and that is the important thing, not the mass distribution, not the five blog posts a week. It's all about like, you know, getting the vision out there and trying to get people to rally around this idea Later on, I hope that the mass distribution is easy because we've built this really strong reputation and strong brand based on this thing that we have a passion for. And then it won't matter that you can find us on, you know, every time you Google something about content marketing, you find us, hopefully, you know, or you, you know, you see us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever, like that stuff. I I, I look forward to the day when we can just very easily tap into that distribution, but I don't care about it right now. Right now, I just Mm -hmm. care about getting people to rally around the idea. 
those vision pieces that you kind of mentioned to like those early ones where you're describing your vision, do they need to be, do they even need to be right? Or are they kind of the whole point of it is to just be kind of like the iPhone where you're just like, look how wild this is. Like, I don't know. How do you, how do you think about those original, like those first couple pieces? That's a really interesting question. I think it's less about like, does the hypothesis end up being proven correct or incorrect and more about is it can you create can you create momentum that eventually fuels itself you know by getting people excited about an idea like like the the thing that i am sort of constantly pitching is that you know content marketers deserve better like you'll see that on our landing pages you know or you know i have a vision of what content can be like what our industry can be like in 5 years if we all kind of band together here you, you know what i mean and, mm-hmm. and those that that's the it's almost like it doesn't really matter if it's right or wrong. It just matters like one, does it get people excited? And two, do if they come and look at the work that we're doing here, are is their excitement about it validated? You know what I mean? Like do they mm-hmm. see do they see us practicing what we're preaching? Because if they do, then that's I think that's how it starts to spread. What would what would return on investment look like in those early days? Because we're not going for clicks at this point, right? I, yeah, no, you're right. There's a, there's a famous blog post by this guy named Kevin Kelly called a thousand true fans. And uh, there's a kind of a new version of this by an investor, a woman named Legion, I believe her name is called a hundred true fans. And that's very much the the model I'm following for. Like if we, if we can create, and I, and I think we are slowly create a, a small base of people who say, I can't believe this didn't exist before and I'm so happy it does now, then that's enough. Like I want a small group of people to be really fired up about it. And then I want that to spread and spread and spread. And so it's a slow burn, no question about it. Like it is a slow burn. And that excitement does not always turn into dollars for the business either. You know, that's kind of a whole nother challenge to figure out. So yeah, I mean, we're just plugging away. And like, I hopefully some of my excitement about it is coming through. Like I am pumped about this, you know, this is, I feel, I genuinely feel like this is my life's work to date. Like this is the most important thing I have ever worked on. And I hope that one day I work on even more important things, but right now I feel like I, I am here to serve a purpose and I want to, I want to make this happen. Last question from this friend of yours, and then I'll reveal who it is. How do you balance SEO, search engine optimization content, and thought leadership, because they mm-hmm. don't necessarily follow the same guidelines. Yeah. It's a similar answer to the previous one where the thought leadership stuff, and this is just one way to do it. This is just, I like to do it. And there, there are many other ways to go about this, but for me, the way to do this is, is to use that thought leadership to spread the vision and to rally people around you. That's, and that is so much more powerful than, you know, organic traffic for the keywords. Now we're already planting some seeds for that world. Like part of the hundred K club user generated content stuff is absolutely an SEO play. Like I'm including just as an example, like those folks, job titles and salary in the Right. In the headline. So, so that if someone searches like saying, what's yeah. a marketing manager salary, like one day, I hope ours is at the top. You know, the other thing is that, and this is exactly what we did at animals. 
it was all thought leadership for like a year and a half. Like we didn't even consider writing an SEO focused post because we felt like we had a, a strong take on content marketing and that we wanted to make our opinions well known to start building this brand because nobody had ever heard of animals. And to me, the way you build a brand is by expressing strong opinions, you know, rather than growing traffic through generic keywords. Later, like, you know, again, like later on, that's great because it's easy free traffic. But if you kind of take a, a shorter view of things and you try to get there too quickly, maybe you do actually build a site with lots of traffic, but the but the brand isn't strong enough. You know, it's not strong enough to get people really excited about it, which which to me is that's how a business becomes a sustainable, successful one. Yeah, that's sweet. I'm going to, I'm going to get back to your point about the kind of timelines it takes. Cause that's, I think important is we can talk in generalities, but the actual effort and time and resources that goes into these blog posts, I think is worth coming back to coming back to. Yeah. So those, those questions were from your colleague, Ryan Law. I was going to say, I thought it was right. <laughs> oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, I thought so. So he's the director of marketing at Animals and I'm pretty sure he stepped into your role. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And Ryan is one of the smartest content marketers I've ever worked with. And as hard as it was to walk away from that job, because I really did, I really did love that job. It is in such good hands. It's in better hands now. I'm glad. I'm glad you had an inkling that that means that you guys had good conversations. Yeah, yeah. Ryan and I worked very closely together for two and a half years, and you know we worked closely on, on a lot of different things. And he's a yeah, super smart dude. That's how I knew. Us. That's how I knew us him. <laughs> okay, cool. This next <laughs> one might be a little trickier. It's going to be a little bit more vague too. This, okay. He didn't give me like questions, but more an angle he wanted me to approach you with. Yeah, yeah. So. Before we get in back into the that like 18 months of of thought leadership content, I'd like to ask you about your writing process, specifically for Superpath right now. You're you're a one-person team. You've got a community side of the business, you've got a private group side of the business, you're starting now the user-generated side of the business. What does how much time do you spend in a week writing, like completely focused on on writing your own content? Mm, a lot, a lot of time, but it is split between all of those different things. So I would say I probably spend, I think realistically, I spend more than half my week on some form of content creation. Some of that ends up on the Superpath blog. Some of that is like me spending, you know, I don't need to spend a ton of time, but like just sort of facilitating the user generated content. So we have the 100K club. I also run bi monthly surveys in our Slack community. And then I package up the results from those and publish those. That's another one. And then within our, our, our Superpath Pro, which is our like paid professional development membership, there's courses. And courses take a ton of time to build because it's not just writing. It's, it's presentations. It's, it's recording the presentations. It's creating templates and checklists and things that folks can download and use. So like that is a, it takes a, a ton of time. You know, it's just those things are not widely seen. It ends up just being for folks that are part of the paid deal. But yeah, a lot, a lot of time. <laughs> and do you just like, how do you take notes or, or how, where do these ideas kind of live so that when you sit down to write, it's effective time? That is a good question. I have a, a notion board where I keep track of, I have a content calendar for the blog and then I have another content calendar for the courses. And Basically, there's kind of two ways I go about this, or I, I guess three ways. One is that like 
it's kind of my favorite way to write blog posts is to just like notice notice a situation and be like someone needs to write about this like i feel like that happens a lot if you are observing closely so like in our slack community there's 1500 content marketers people are talking about content marketing all day and it's just like constant stuff for me to be thinking about and so i i take a lot i, I get a lot of ideas from that so that's one thing another thing is that sometimes i just ask people like, what should we write about? So that's kind of like the easiest way. And then the third would be like in our pro group, I, I am very deliberate about asking people what they want to learn about because they're paying for this. So I want to, like they deserve to learn about the things they want to learn about. So like last week I posted a call for topics, got probably 20 or 25 responses of like, you know, each individual one is going to take me, you know, I don't know, two full working days to do so like that's gonna keep me busy for a really long time Mm -hmm. so those are the biggest ones at animals we did i feel like at animals we we kind of adopted like a a pretty specific form of topic ideation which was to try to write about things that our customers weren't asking about but should ask about Mm. and that was kind of another creative constraint where we would have to sit down and think about you know all these customers have the same problem and none of them even realize it like right. what questions should they be asking to get? So like, you know, sort of like that is definitely a thing that I am planning to repurpose in Superpath as well. Like all these content marketers have the same problem. Why aren't they asking this question? Then try to help them ask that question. How do you unearth those, those things that they don't know that they don't know? I have found, and this is going to be like the most obvious thing I've ever said, but I have found that talking to people on calls on a very regular basis is the only way you really keep a pulse on what's going on. So like at animals, I ran our sales department for two years. That meant I was on the phone with prospects all the time. And so over, you know, you do hundreds of these calls and over time you notice patterns and those patterns are what then become blog posts. And in many cases, it's just, you notice the pattern and then you give people language so that they can then talk about it, you know, help them clarify what the thing is for them so that now they can speak the same language as you. That's very powerful branding. And well, and I'm doing the same thing with, with Superpath as well. Like I am on the phone, like we have a job board. So I'm on the phone with prospects for the job board. You know, I'm, I'm doing calls with our pro members. There's a Slack group. There's conversations happening in our pro group also. So it's like the same thing is happening. Like I'm seeing the patterns and then like I, over time, it, it's obviously it's, it's not easy to, take an idea and write something great and distribute it and blah, blah, like it, it's, it's, it's hard, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to apply that exact same idea. A lot of these concepts we're talking about aren't traditional knowledge. Like this doesn't exist in a university curriculum. This isn't, this isn't neatly structured in some type of like kind of old school publication as we think about it. How do you go about researching and finding answers to these problems that people have? I, again, I lean very heavily on the community, you know, and, and then also the other thing is, well, the two other things, one is that I'm pulling from a decade of experience doing these things. So a lot of the stuff I, I, I find to be interesting, but not surprising. So there's that. And, and a lot of that experience came from, well, several in-house content jobs and then two different agency jobs. And so like at animals alone, I had conversations with probably 250 to 300 prospects who fit our ideal customer profile, plus ongoing relationships and conversations with our customers. So that's just 
so much happens in that time with those people that like you just, it sticks, you know what I mean? And then at animals as well, we had access to all of our customers, Google analytics. So you can go in and verify things with data again, super powerful. I don't have that anymore. I, w- I wish I had, you know, a hundred sites in my Google analytics profile, but I don't any longer. Uh, so yeah, it's just kind of like creating a, I like to think of work as very much layers, not silos, meaning that like everything that I do, every person that I talk to is, is an opportunity to learn something and then potentially to create something, you know, as opposed to a silo of like, this is my creative time. And then another silo of like, this is my sales time, or this is my, Mm, you know, customer support time. You know, it's all, it's all one thing. Well, I think you do like the the Google Analytics. Your new version of that is you have the the salary reports, and you've got you've got yeah. fifteen hundred people who are now learning from and with you. And every year you collect new data. It'll be less granular than Google Analytics and less less well organized. But as long as everyone's earning potential increases or their actual earnings, that is kind of your marker of of the success that you're providing them. Totally. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, we're, I'm trying to think of new ways to, I I hate to say extract data from the community (laughs) because that's not, that sounds so exploitative, which is not the intent. It's like, but finding ways to survey Mm -hmm. the people in this group so that I have fuel to help them, which is the real thing. Like, so when we did a salary report, we did, I did a salary report for the Slack group before Superpath was ever a thing but I tote that salary report around all the time when folks want to post jobs on Superpath, And I say, this is what you need to pay people. You know, like this is what the going rate is for someone with this experience. And uh, I can also say like, you know, there is a, there is a significant gender pay gap. Like don't participate in this. Like, you know what I mean? Hire a woman and pay her the same. Like that data. That's why I feel like I did extract data from folks, but like, that is like this very powerful tool that I can go out into the world and try to, like help help grow this content industry in a, in a really healthy way. Yeah. As someone who's new to that industry, I'm glad that there are leaders like you doing that because it would be concerning if there weren't. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And it's fun. Like, as you can see, like just this type of thing, I get fired up about it, which is, yeah, it's like what gets you up in the morning. It's good. Good. Oh, that's a good transition actually. So coming back to that, your point about at animals, for a year and a half writing uh, consistently, but about topics that are more high level and more thought leadership. If someone is taking that route and is putting in an effort to make these really well-crafted, thought-provoking pieces, and they don't have that immediate feedback of Google Analytics showing spikes that kind of allows them to sleep nice, sleep well at night and be <laughs> excited to go up the next day, if they're in that trough and you and you're you're in the dip and you're not seeing the results, but you know that this is worth going through, what kind of advice do you have for for writers, especially who are kind of in in the in the trenches, needing to get more content out, but they're not seeing the results? What what kind of advice would you have for someone in that position? That's a good question. Okay, here's here's the, the there's a big important thing that everyone working in content marketing should understand, which is, and I see this going wrong so frequently that it's like, I feel like it's part of my life's mission to make people aware of it. You have to match the type of business and the business strategy with the right content strategy. So when we took that approach at animals, it is very much a brand building exercise to do this thought leadership style of content, but it's a very low volume 
sales business. So that annual contract value is very high. So if we close, if we get 15 leads and two new customers in a month, we can barely keep up with that growth because they're big customers. Mm -hmm. And so I would say the first thing you should do is, is assess the type of business that you're in. Because if you're in a high volume business, say you have a freemium product where you, it just, there's no way around it. You need a huge amount of volume to make it successful. That may not be the right approach. Like you actually may need to build that organic engine because you have to have a huge reach in order to get the volume you need so that by the time the tiny percentage of people convert to the premium version, the business is making money. You know, like this is something I, the reason I get a little agitated about this is because um, like I want content marketers to understand the kind of greater ecosystem that they work in. Like your job is not to write blog posts. Your job is to support the business. And so Mm -hmm. like, if you can't look at the business and analyze it and then decide the most productive thing that you can do, then you're going to miss a ton of great career opportunities. You know, like the folks that I know who have really ascended in the content world have great business minds and they just happen to have good writing skills. You know, you put those two things together, then it becomes really powerful. So I would say, look very closely at the business you're working in and try to make a, try to make a very analytical decision about what type of content is the best thing. And actually we did a webinar about this at animals. If you search something like how to deploy the right content strategy for your business, we did like an hour long webinar on this exact topic and how to go through that matching process from business to content strategy. So if, if folks want to go deeper on that topic, there's a lot of info on it on the animals blog. Yeah, that's a great way of looking at it because you need to think of the whole picture, not just your your channel. Again, layered stuff instead of silos. Yes, yes. It applies to, every, it applies to everything. Well, that's awesome, Jimmy. I guess his, he didn't really answer ask any questions, but any, you want to take a jab at who you think wanted to hear more about your kind of the, the engine that, that could? I'm going to, geez, I'm going to guess Tommy Walker. No, you, uh, you chatted with them pretty recently in a public way. John Benini. Ding, ding, ding. There we go. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. John, another super smart content guy. Yeah. You got, you got some, some good friends who are really cheering you on here. They had some good stuff to say about you. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. That means a lot. John actually had a kind of a, a funny point here saying, that he really thinks what you're doing with with Superpath is you've got a lot of good sticks in the fire, whatever the saying is, because you got the social you got the social side, you got the network effect kind of going on. You're obviously in a niche where people are good at ex- at at sharing and good at talking about their ideas and their thoughts, and that'll kind of naturally grow as, as things continue to progress. But then he also had a point saying that when you pull this off, it's going to be the greatest content case studies of all time, (laughs) building a content company on the idea of content marketing, using content marketing for content marketers. God, that's beautiful. That makes me (laughs) smile. That's funny. Actually, one of the reasons I was so excited about Superpath is because I have, for every company I've ever worked with thought, you know, there's, there's a revenue opportunity if we kind of diversify a little bit, you know what I mean? But the pushback is always like, our core thing is X, so we need to focus all our attention on that. And I I mean, maybe I'm naive, but like I am trying to build a business that is diversified so that we have subscription revenue, so that we have revenue from the job board. I could absolutely see sponsorships and affiliate revenue and, and other and other things to make this a, a healthy, diversified business. And just 
you know, as a content person who hasn't had the opportunity to explore all those things before, it's really exciting to test things out. You know, if it works, amazing. If it doesn't, it stings a little, but it's, but it's a lot of fun to work on. But I think you're also demonstrating the flexibility and opportunity the content has. Like it's not a one trick pony. Like if you can write good stuff, you can sell ads, you can sell job postings, you can sell a community, you can sell courses, you can sell like a thousand, like high ticket items all the way down to like free stuff, right? Like it's not, you can get that volume, but you can also get the quality. It's like a full spectrum product offering. You're totally right. You're totally right. Yeah. Jimmy, this has been super helpful for me and my writing and, and I hope other people find this really insightful. Last question for you before we wrap up. What is a skill that you're looking to improve over the next six months? And you can take this any direction you want. Mm, yeah, yeah. Bookkeeping, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of new things that I am being exposed to that I just have never spent two seconds thinking about. Things like bookkeeping and insurance and taxes. And it's very overwhelming. I have a lot of work to do in those areas. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. There's, there's something to write about that people, what people yeah. are know is a problem, but are too afraid to ask. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Jimmy. Thanks so much. And for people who are interested in joining that group or being part of Superpath Pro, where should they go check that out? Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Superpath.co has everything, find it all there. I mean, I would really encourage folks if you work in content or you're kind of thinking about content um, as a career path, join the Slack group. It's free. There's amazing conversations happening in there every single day. People are so supportive of one another. That's what I love the most about it is that like people are there to help. And that's been really cool to be part of that. And then recently we launched Superpath Pro, which is our paid professional development membership. And as part of that, you get access to courses, which we're launching regularly. Just this morning, actually, I sent out our first batch of matches for monthly one-on-ones. So we pair folks up with a peer, give them an agenda to have a kind of like structured discussion. And it's a networking opportunity, but it's also just an opportunity to you know, learn from someone else, try to help them, and then switch it around. And then office hours is the other thing. So our, we have our first office hours next week. We're going to bring in a pro. In this case, it's a woman named Sonia Jacob, and she'll be available for an hour for folks to come and ask whatever questions they have. So there's a lot going on. I think of it like all the best parts of a conference. <laughs> and since those aren't happening right now, exactly, <laughs> it's a great replacement. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you don't need to be concerned about, am I standing beside the right person at the buffet line? Like every single person in this group is someone you'd be ecstatic to sit beside at a conference and there's 1500 of them. So it's a buffet totally. of people. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.